Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 22, and today we're talking about books released on October 6, 2015. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow Will Redhead, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Some of us, some of us are coming to you from different spots than last time. Yes, I've been all over the place, but I am currently coming to you from Kansas City, from my childhood bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) Like there used to be a Brad Pitt Legends of the Fall poster hanging on my closet door, and I kind of wish that it were still there. Um, So I was in Seattle earlier this week, or I guess last week at this point, um, for meetings with the Riot executive team. And then I went to Seattle for, or no, I was in Seattle. And then I went to San Francisco for some meetings. And then I went to LA for some meetings. And now I am in the heartland, uh, eating barbecue and my mom's signature chocolate cake. That doesn't sound bad. It's not terrible. So listeners, if I'm a little less clear than usual, I don't have my fancy microphone this week. And thanks for hanging out with us anyway. Let's see. Before we jump into the show, we're going to remind you again to come hang out with us at Book Riot Live. It's on November 7th and 8th in New York City. This is our first live event. It's a two-day reader convention that spans all things Book Riot and bookish, from the silly to the serious, from the thoughtful to the ridiculous. There will be all sorts of book nerd fun for two days. The Book Riot Live is being presented by Book Witty, and we want to tell you this week about the interactive elements of the convention, which I think are really great. And we don't want you to just be there to see stuff. We want you to be a participant. So several panels include audience participation, including a live performance of William Shakespeare's Star Wars. There's a bookish Jeopardy game. You can play bookish Pictionary with Lucy Nisley and Wendy Shu. You can attend live recordings of the Get Booked and Dear Book Nerd podcasts, which will both take audience questions. We'll be doing a live recording of this show, but we're going to do the same format, so we'll be talking about new releases. There's a Wattpad writing contest where you submit your fan fiction from Margaret Atwood's latest book to win prizes. The top stories will be read by Margaret Atwood. You could write a thing that Margaret Atwood will read. That's amazing. (laughs) She will pick the winner, and the the winning one will be read live by Margaret Atwood and Book Riot staff. You can participate in an apparating library through the Harry Potter Alliance. So bring a book, trade it into the library on Saturday, and then on Sunday, pick up a new-to-you book. There's a photo booth. There's a table where you can make zines. All sorts of great ways to participate in awesome bookish fun. Go to bookriotlive.com to get the skinny on everything. Use the code MORECATS, all one word, uh, to save 20 bucks on your registration. And come hang out with us at Book Riot Live, presented by BookWitty. That library thing is so exciting. Can, yeah. I bring, can I bring 100 books? And then get 100 more? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> the operating library provided for Liberty Hardy. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> it's going to be great. The Harry Potter Alliance is so cool. Yeah, that's a good All right. Oh, I guess I get to kick off the show this week. Yes. Cool. So I am kicking it off. This is an awesome short story collection. Mothers Tell Your Daughters by Bonnie Jo Campbell. This was my first time reading her. I am, as is a recurring theme on this show, I am so sad that I waited so long to discover Bonnie Jo Campbell. These are gritty, realistic uh, short stories set in a small town in Michigan, but they feel very Southern to me. Like there's something about Bonnie Jo Campbell's sensibility that feels like Dorothy Allison. Um, Very realistic. All of the pieces in this collection are about womanhood, motherhood, the relationships between mothers and daughters, but not in the sappy Hallmark channel kind of way. Um, And these are stories about how hard this world is on women, all the ways large and small that men harm women in this world. Bonnie Jo Campbell is not afraid to look at the nasty sides of life. Uh, There's a character, multiple characters who recall uh, being raped and being abused. So trigger warning there, if that is something that you have a hard time reading about. There's a teen girl who gets pregnant by her mother's boyfriend, sleazy, uh, and he manipulates her into thinking that they're in love with each other. That does not end well. Uh, There's a story about a woman who thinks that her ex has come back in the spirit of her dog. Uh, In my favorite collection of the piece, it's about an old woman whose husband was horribly abusive to her. Um, Now he is dying. He's delirious. um, And while he is in his hospital bed in a room of their house, uh, she puts a space heater to his feet and convinces him that it's the flames of hell and that he's suffering for all of the terrible things that he did to her in their life. Um, These are sharp, cutting stories that are observant about some of the really difficult things in life and the hard to discuss parts about life as a woman in this world. And they are so good. This feels very necessary to me um, and just urgent. There's a real sense of urgency to the writing. They're so, so great. I don't know what else to say. Bonnie Jo Campbell is a master. um, And they're just brave and bold and look right into the stuff that we don't like to acknowledge often. And so that's Mothers Tell Your Daughters by Bonnie Jo Campbell. Well, moving on something to something a little lighter. Um, talking, <laughs> talking with dead people. Not dogs, but... Um, That's very seasonally appropriate, yes, talking with dead people. Yes, and I, you might have to cut me off because I could talk about this book forever. Um, it's called The Witch of Lime Street, Seance, Seduction, and Houdini in the Spirit World by David Jaher. I don't know that I'm pronouncing his name correctly. It's J-A-H-E-R. Uh, anyway... Imagine, if you will, it's almost two decades into the 20th century. On one side of the Atlantic, you have uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who we all know is the creator of Sherlock Holmes. Mm -hmm. Um, He has lost his first wife to illness. He's lost a brother and a nephew to the war. Um, He has a new maid who claims that she is a psychic and that she can commune with the dead and sort of convinces him that she can talk to these people that he has lost. Unfortunately, she dies of influenza. But he's completely convinced now that communication with the dead is possible and he starts seeking out other people in other ways to communicate uh he writes a book about his belief in these communications he holds these lectures and around this time his son who fought in the war and was almost killed uh then healed and came home and then died of the flu oh no um this happens around that time so this redoubles his beliefs and efforts in communicating with the dead now on the other side of the atlantic you have magician harry houdini 
Uh, he also wanted proof of life after death. He had worked uh, swindling people, you know, try, being a, a medium and a fake psychic before. Like, he knows all the tricks. Um, but he actually really wants to believe. He desperately wants to talk to his mother. He was very close with his mother, and he's lost her, and he wants to talk to her again. Um, I never get tired of reading about Houdini. He <laughs> is so fascinating. I mean, just everything about him. And he was insane. Like, you read these things where he's like... Hey, how about if I climb up on the highest building ever built and you dangle me, you know, with like live sharks stapled to my body and set me on fire and glue my mouth shut, you know, and, and I'll just get out of it. And they're like, no, no. <laughs> I mean, he was just like, he would come up with these crazy ideas and lots of the times they would get shot down. They'd be like, um, no, we're not going to let you do that. Like, you can't use this bridge. You can't use this building. I mean, he was just crazy, like always trying this crazy stuff. But anyway, he strikes up this friendship with Conan Doyle. And goes to visit him and, and to check out these mediums that Conan Doyle has been raving about, you know. And most of them, eh, he doesn't really go for it. You know, he thinks that all the people are pretty much faking it. And he knows because mm. he used to do it himself. You know, he used to pull the same tricks. But, like, you have to picture the world at this time. Like, countless lives have just been lost to the war and to the flu. Uh, people were grieving. And they really wanted, you know, to believe that they could talk to their loved ones. And some dishonest people saw this as a chance to make a buck. So the general and the general public at the time, they did not really have a working knowledge of photography or electricity. So you know, so-called mediums used these things to their advantage, um, and it was a huge, huge business for a while. One of the most famous spiritualists was called the ectoplasm queen. <laughs> now, she would hold seances, and supposedly, if ghosts were present in the room, ectoplasm would come out of her. Um, you know. <laughs> Oh, that? And she was really famous, yeah. Wait, wait, Everybody wanted wait, to meet this how, woman. How? I don't know. I don't know. How did she I don't know. <laughs> it's like rule 34 for Ghostbusters fans. I have so many questions. Yeah. But, so, but, like, this was all very suspicious to Houdini. Like, he just, he wasn't buying any of this. Um, you know, these mediums would have people sit in a pitch black room and then tell them that the noises and the voices that they heard or the person touching their face was their dead loved one. I mean, come on. It's like pitch black, right? It's like seven minutes in heaven, except that the person touching you in the dark is not in a sexy way, but in a, you're supposed to imagine it's the hand of a dead person way. You know, it just, it's <laughs> but like you can't see anything. But people were believing this. Yeah. You know, so eventually Houdini's campaign to approve all medium as a fraud drove a wedge in his friendship with Conan Doyle. Um, and that's where the Witch of Lime Street comes in. She was a medium that Conan Doyle knew. And the magazine Scientific American was holding a contest saying that they would pay good money for actual proof of life after death. So Conan Doyle had convinced this Witch of Lime Street to enter the contest, and she was able to sway all of the judges Whoa. except for one, Harry Houdini. Mm. And so it's kind of like about their showdown, and it just goes on and on from there, and I could just talk about it. And I have told you like a very tiny fraction of the amazing, interesting things that takes place in this Sounds book. Sounds awesome. Oh, it's so, so good. It's so good. Um, and in case you missed it the first time, it is The Witch of Lime Street by David Jahar. Cool. Uh, time for our first sponsor, Random House, sorry, Penguin Random House Audio is back this week. Uh, and especially as we're going into fall and you're looking for like 
something to cozy up with, I don't know, in front of the fire or while you take a long walk to be a leaf peeper or while you're traveling. Audiobooks are a great thing to keep you company while you're doing that. Audiobooks are also especially great for book clubs. You know, your book club is a good excuse to get together with your friends on a regular basis and enjoy each other's company and share some opinions and talk about some stuff. Hopefully the book, but maybe you're just talking about the wine. I don't know. And I don't judge. Um, listening to the audiobook can add a whole other dimension to your book club conversation as well. And it can also help book club members who don't necessarily have the time to read or who maybe don't like to sit still long enough um, to read a whole book, but they could listen to books while they're working out or taking a walk or cooking dinner or shuttling their kids back and forth from soccer games. Um, So if you want to give audiobooks a try, but you don't know how to start, and maybe you're also looking for something for your book club, you can go to penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash book club. You can get free title suggestions and other advice to help you get going. Uh, If you wanted to have a book club that focused on self-improvement, one of the titles that they're featuring is Rising Strong by Brene Brown. I've spoken about that book on this show and about how much uh, Brown's work means to me, but also stuff like Pirate Hunters or The Admissions by Meg Mitchell Moore. They've got cookbooks you could listen to. They've got Why Not Me by Mindy Kaling, which both of us uh, on this show really loved. Um, That would be a fun book club title as well. The Girl in the Spider's Web, if you're more into thrillers. Penguin Random House publishes a ton of great stuff every year, and they have a ton of amazing backlist. Um, Their audiobooks are well-produced. They have wonderful narrators. So again, check out penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash book club for suggestions for your book club and ways to incorporate uh, audiobooks into your reading life. You can always hit us up as well. I love audiobooks, and I'm happy to give you more recommendations. So thanks to Penguin Random House Audio for sponsoring the show. And now my second pick. This is one I'm really excited about. I think yes. it's just the, the perfect marriage of literature and pop culture and like the high brownness of literature and the supposed low brownness of the internet. But we all know that those two things don't have to be separate. It's Slaughterhouse 90210 by Maris Kreisman. This was born on Tumblr in 2009. Um, Kreisman has been, for the last six years, brilliantly combining literature and pop culture. She takes a still photo from a TV TV show or a movie, and she pairs it with a literary quote. Um, Sometimes she marries highbrow with lowbrow, and that can go in both directions. It could be a lowbrow TV show with a very literary quote, or vice versa. The books are not always the highbrow element. Kreisman loves books and television in equal measure and is one of the many living illustrations of the fact that we can do both. You can be a super smart book person and also love TV and some of it's trashy and that's okay. Um, These are just smart, funny, perfect examples of the gifts of the internet to literary culture. Um, I I ramble and rant all the time about how I don't think that the internet is a detriment to literary culture at all, despite the number of angry, cranky, think pieces that get written about that. I think the internet gives rise to all kinds of really fascinating and wonderful things for literary culture, including blogs, including Book Riot, including community, and including Tumblr's like Slaughterhouse 90210. So it's cool that it's become a book um, and that you can check out a bunch of the best of Slaughterhouse 90210 with some additional writing from Maris Kreisman about that project, about what it means to combine literature and pop culture. Um, It's a gorgeously produced, very colorful new book. It's out from Flatiron. And uh, it's also going to be a perfect like stocking stuffer gift this holiday season for book lovers in your life. Um, So maybe just buy 10 and give them out to people who like books and TV. 
It's again called Slaughterhouse 90210. I knew that I was going to love that Tumblr when I saw that her first entry was an Elizabeth McCracken quote. Yep. She reads, Maris reads so eclectically and widely um, that, and she watches, you know, really eclectic TV and movies as well. So there's just so much great variety. But yes, to the Elizabeth McCracken. (laughs) You should also follow her on Twitter, especially now because she's adopted a pug. Yeah. I'm in love with Busy. Yep. She's Literary so people cute. with good dogs. Perfect. <laughs> so moving on to something completely different. <laughs> I can't seem to get a good segue this week. Yeah, we don't have segue good. We, we just don't have good segues yeah. this time around. Uh, this is a book that I mentioned a few months ago that I was going to read. It's called Don't Suck, Don't Die, Giving Up Vic Chestnut by Kristen Hirsch. Um, Vic Chestnut was a singer-songwriter. He recorded 17 albums. Uh, he died in, in 2009. Um, He's been covered by such musicians as Neutral Milk Hotel, Fugazi, and R.E.M. Um, He was also partially paralyzed. He he was wheelchair-bound after a car accident uh, when he was 18. Um, Kristen Hirsch is herself an amazing musician. She's one of the founding uh, members of Throwing Muses, and she also tours extensively uh, solo. She and Vic Chestnut formed a bond in the 90s and toured together quite a bit and became very good friends. And this is sort of her love letter to him um, and to us. Like, she expresses to us all the ways that he was wonderful and also addresses all the ways he could annoy her and anger her, just like any other friend in a relationship could. Um, It also is her unresolved feelings surrounding his death. Um, He was sort of a a tortured genius, um, which is often said about, you know, brilliant people Mm -hmm. who are very talented. And he was not always kind to the people around him. Um, the crash that left him paralyzed was his own fault. It was a single car crash, and he had been drinking, um, and he was very angry a lot of the time. But he sang, and he wrote like an angel. People say that there was nothing like watching him perform. Like, he was just wow. unbelievable. And But he was also very funny and fun to be around when he was up. So uh, Hirsch is an amazing writer, I'm sure you've heard me talk about Rat Girl before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she wrote this amazing memoir called Rat Girl several years ago, which is just one of the most incredible memoirs I've ever read. Uh, she has an incredible recall as well as an almost magical way with words. And she has this ability to express thoughts and feelings that most of us can't even begin to understand. She's just remarkable. Um, and Don't Suck, Don't Die is a very slim little book, and it's a beautiful tribute to life and pain and friendship. And I don't think I need to tell you that you'll need the tissues for this one. Oh, no. So that's called Don't Suck, Don't Die by Kristen Hirsch. Nice. Okay, this next one, maybe I should have put this one right above when I was talking about Bonnie Jo Campbell, because that would have sort of been a segue, (laughs) Um, is 100 Years of the Best American Short Stories. This is edited by Lori Moore. Um, You probably are familiar with the Best American series that comes out every fall, and there are a ton of them. There's the Best American Short Stories and sports writing and science writing and uh, essays. And last year, there was the Best American Infographics, and they've done the Best American comics. They're just a ton. It's really wonderful. Um, Each installment in the series, it has a a different guest editor every year um, and also a standing series editor who works for um, Houghton Mifflin Harcourt and sort of guides that process the whole way. So um, there's a new installment of Best American Short Stories this year. And there's also this 100 Years of Best American Short Stories. Heidi Pittalore is the longtime uh, series editor, and she worked with Lori Moore to collect 40 of the best stories from the more than 2,000 that have been published since the series' inception. 
a hundred years ago. Uh, this is the longest running and best selling series of short of uh, yes of short fiction in the country. It's really incredible. Um, this. Top 40 includes Hemingway's first published short story, a piece by Faulkner, so some oldies, alongside stories by Sherman Alexie, Jamaica Kincaid, Juno Diaz, Mary Gateskill. There's just a ton of variety. This is like a best of the best creme de la creme, doesn't get any better than a look um, at American short fiction and a snapshot of what American short fiction has looked like over the last hundred years. It's really incredible. Um, we've heard from a bunch of listeners, and I got a tweet from one of you last week, I'm sorry I don't remember who that was right now, asking where do I start with short stories? Um, and I know like it's kind of a format that if you've not read short stories before, it might seem more literary or seem intimidating than, than novels can be. Um, but they're not. They don't have to be. Short stories are so wonderful, and this would be the perfect way to dive in. You get 40 stories from 40 different writers selected by Lori Moore, who is one of our best living short story writers, with the guidance of Heidi Pittalore. Plus, it comes with commentary and inside info from Heidi Pittalore about the process. Um, I think it was last week I was talking about reading Ghost Summer by Tanareev Duey and how cool it was to have her notes about the different stories attached. And this is, it feels similar. You get some insider info about how putting together the series works and stuff related to the different stories that they selected. It's very cool. Um, whether you are a longtime short story reader, or especially, I think, if you're looking for a way in to short stories and a way to understand what short fiction in America looks like, both historically and in contemporary writing. 100 Years of the Best American Short Stories, edited by Lori Moore. Speaking of short stories, this next book I'm going to talk about is a novel. Mm -hmm. I, got, I got nothing. Like, there's, there's nothing here. <laughs> These books they are both, both have fiction. In there. Yeah, that's it. Sometimes they come on paper. Um, so the next book I'm going to talk about is called The Clasp. It is Sloane Crosley's debut novel. Uh, she had a book of essays. I believe she has two books of essays. The one is, I was told there would be cake, which was remarkably funny, and I read that one. I think there's a second one, but I haven't mm -hmm. read it. But I did read this, and that's what we're going to talk about, so that's what counts. Um, this is The Clasp, and it's about three college friends who meet up again at a wedding of one of their group ten years later. Uh, there's Victor, who has always loved Kezia. There's Kezia, who has always loved Nathaniel, and Nathaniel, who has always loved Nathaniel. Um, the past decade has not mm. been kind to the three of them. Victor is unemployed after being unceremoniously fired from his job working for a search engine company. Uh, Kezia works as an assistant to a nightmarish jewelry designer. She's kind of like the Cruella de Vil of accessory design. Um, and Nathaniel is a failed screenwriter living in Hollywood. So at the wedding, Victor stumbles upon the story of a stolen necklace in Nazi-occupied France. Basically, he passes out in the bedroom of the mother of the groom, and his punishment when she <laughs> finds him is kind of to just sit and listen to her ramble on about when she was young for several hours, but it also includes the story of this necklace. Um, long story short, after getting home and, and having more time to think about it and realizing that they don't really have anything going on for them, he decides that he and Kezia and Nathaniel should travel to France to search for this missing necklace. So... Does it even exist? Who knows? But they decide to go. Uh, it's so funny. It's very, very funny. She's a very sly, very clever writer. Um, the character of Victor, especially, is he gets all the good lines. Well, most of the good lines. There's lots of good lines. Um, I love when you're like reading a book and you read something and you're like, oh, that was really, that was really sharp. Like it takes you a second because uh -huh. you're like, oh, that was so good. Um, there's a lot of those. 
Uh, and I think it's a it's an accurate portrayal of longtime friendship, you know, like the complications of like when people are in love with each other nice. and then they don't love each other and, you know, familiarity. Mm-hmm. Um, the Gary Stengart, King Blurber himself, he called it The Goonies written mm-hmm. by Laurie Moore. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. It's I'm really in for that. So once again, that is called The Clasp by Sloan Crosley. Awesome. Uh, Before I do my final pick, we want to thank our final sponsor this week. New sponsor for the show. I'm really excited about it. Uh, So this episode is also brought to you by FabFitFun. FabFitFun is a subscription box with premium, full-size fashion, beauty, fitness, and lifestyle products. Not those samples that you get in other boxes. It comes once a season. Uh, You buy the box for $49.99, but it has a value of over $200. That's a promise that they make. And I know that they make good on it because they sent me one and it was awesome. It was really fun to open. Like sometimes you get sample products and you're like, what is this going to be? That was not the case. Um, in past boxes, they've included things like lip surge, lip gloss. Um, there's a nail wrap, um, headspace blue sky ca- uh, card with a code for a free three month subscription to the headspace app, which is great for meditation. It's what I've been using this year and really love. They've done Bluetooth wireless speakers, uh, Pilates DVDs, Zumba DVDs, collagen booster serums, Moroccan hair oil, uh, cocoa candles, the fall box, which I'm allowed to talk about because it's now after September 29th. Um, the one that I got had an, this really adorable umbrella that says rain, rain, go away, like all over it. Um, there were some facial masks, a um, skincare thing that like skincare serum, there were um, crest white strips, there was a purple purse charity charm that supports victims of domestic violence and abuse. So they also are tying in some charity elements. Um, There were lip gloss, lip stains. So there was like a little bit of everything. There was some like take care of yourself stuff and there was some look good stuff. And there was no weird, uh, you need to take care of yourself and look good because of patriarchal standards of beauty stuff. It was really just awesome products to help you enjoy your own life. Um, Definitely geared towards a female audience. You can go to fabfitfun.com to get a subscription. Use the coupon code all the books all together, all one word, all the books for $10 off your first box. And uh, let us know if you subscribe and if you like it. I really was happy um, to get the sample box in the mail. Oh, it also came with a portable phone charger that holds more the battery for more than one extra iPhone charge. So while I've been trotting around between all of these cities the last week. I've been using that on the go and it's been great to like not have to worry about my iPhone uh, running out of juice. So fabfitfun.com to subscribe and use the code all the books to save 10 bucks on your first subscription. And that will let them know that you came from us and it will help us keep the lights on and keep Liberty supplied in books. Yes, that's very important. Nobody wants me to go without uh, It's ugly. It's very true. Uh, so my last pick this week is called Stars Between the Sun and Moon. It's by Lucia Jong or Jang, I'm not sure, uh, with Susan McClelland. Last week I talked about In Order to Live by Yeonmi Park. And this is a sort of very timely companion read. I don't think they were intended to be that way at all, but it worked out in my reading life that way. Um, Lucia Jong was born in the 1970s in North Korea, so a generation older than the book that I talked about last week. Um, She grew up in a common North Korean household. Both of her parents worked very hard, but they were barely scraping by um, because communist government. Um, She grew up to happily serve her country. She abided by all the rules, um, but while she was working in a factory, a man that she thought was trying to woo her raped her. Um, And the results of this 
were sort of the turning point for her in recognizing what life in North Korea was really like, um, and that the government was not really there to take good care of its people. Um, this was by this by that time. That was the 1990s. A famine was sweeping North Korea, and her family was desperate. They were starving. They were really fighting for their lives. Um, so she fled to China illegally um, to trade goods to try to make money and survive. Um, she was caught and imprisoned twice. The second time that she was imprisoned, she was pregnant, um, and she realized that the only way that she was going to live and that her baby was going to live is that if she escaped again. So she smuggles her newborn child out. They flee to Mongolia, and she eventually then made her way to South Korea to safety and now lives in Canada. Um, and this is her story. Um, it seems like there have been sort of a spate of memoirs about life in North Korea. There was this one. There was the one I talked about last week. Um, last year, there is no... Uh, is it, there is no you without us? Is that the title? Did you I read think that? So. Um, that came out last year and is out in paperback now. Really, um, lots of brave people, especially lots of brave women, telling stories about uh, just the literally death-defying things they had to do to escape life in North Korea and revealing what those realities really are. Um, so that is Stars Between the Sun and Moon by Lucia Jong um, and Susan McClellan. Okay, I almost kind of have a segue this time. Because do you it, were just it. you were just talking about how sort of like your reading life sort of lines up, and a few weeks ago I was reading the new Gloria Steinem memoir, which mm-hmm. is excellent, by the way, uh, really fantastic. I'd never read her before, and she was just great. Oh, she's um, amazing. She, yeah, she was talking about her friendship with a woman named Flo Kennedy, who I was unfamiliar with, and then the next day on NetGalley, boom, there's this book. Florence, oh, that's magic. Florence Flo Kennedy, The Life of a Black Feminist Radical by Sherry Randolph. I was like, well, that's a sign. You know, plus, yeah. it, you know, I started reading about her, and she's this huge, important figure in history. And, you know, I had never heard of her. Like, when you think of feminism, mm-hmm. you know, you think Gloria Steinem. You don't hear about Flo Kennedy as much. Um, so, Flo Kennedy. Now, I thought maybe you might know who she was because she's from Kansas City. I thought maybe they talk about her. You know, they don't down. talk about her. Oh, that's I'm a very shame. sad. I have never heard of Flo Kennedy. You are teaching me feminist things right now. Well, I can teach you like half of her life because I'm halfway through the book. I haven't <laughs> finished it. But I know how it ends. Um, she did die in 2000, so spoiler. Um, but, you know, it's, it's really fascinating and really great. Uh, she was one of the leaders of the Black Power Movement and the Feminist Movement. She was a Columbia Law School graduate. She was founder of the National Black Feminist Organization and one of the founders of the National Organization for Women. Um, she helped shape feminism and brought the struggles of black women to feminism and helped fight racism. Um, Randolph uses a previously uncollected archive of information on her to write this book. And it's so fascinating. And when I picked it up on the, the copy, it says, you know, it describes her as like a brilliant woman who loved to wear cowboy hats and <laughs> stick her middle finger up at the world. And I was like... Ooh, just like me, except for Soul the brilliant sister. part in the cowboy hats. But, you know, everything else is true. You um, could rock a cowboy hat. Maybe. But, I mean, so she's just great. She's incredible. Um, she pretty much helped shape the face of feminism today. But her name is not synony- synonymous. I can't talk synonymous and feminism. Like <laughs> Gloria Steinem's is, you know. And part of that reason is because she was black. You know, she was fighting, you know, racism as well as, right. you know, that sexism. So uh, this book is a great way to get acquainted with an important historical figure, I think. Yeah. And, you know, try to give credit where credit is due. 
Yeah, uh, one of the other rioters has already finished it, and she loved it all the way through. So, Awesome. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about it. So once again, that was Florence Flo Kennedy, The Life of a Black Feminist Radical by Sherry Randolph. So there you have it. Those are our books this week. Those are our books. It's a good week, a good eclectic oh, week this week. There's so many crazy good books out this week. <laughs> so what are you going to read now? I'm going to read a book that also comes out today. It's called American Sweepstakes, How One Small State Bucked the Church, the Feds, and the Mob to Usher in the Lottery Age. Huh. Yeah, it's by Kevin Flynn. Um, he's written a few uh, true crime books about uh, actual cases that took place in New Hampshire, and this is about how... Basically, in 1965, the government, for some reason, didn't want all our money, and they were like, no lotteries, no. And New Hampshire was like, mm, we're going to have one anyway. And how they started this state lottery, and it caught on, and people were traveling from all over to wow. participate in it. And, you know, now, I mean, everybody has a lottery. It makes a zillion dollars for the government, I think. Mm-hmm. I think that's where the money goes. Maybe it just goes to somebody yes. named Bob. I don't know. But, <laughs> it's not going to my Bob. <laughs> <laughs> but it just seems really interesting. And so, yeah, that's what I'm cool. going to read. read. I am about halfway through The Claiming of Sleeping Beauty by A.N. Rokalore, which is ah. the pen name <laughs> under which Anne Rice wrote an erotic trilogy inspired by the Sleeping Beauty myth. Um, in Seattle last week, we were at Pike Place Market. And in the basement of Pike Place Market is this bookstore called BLMF. And the signs call it a literary saloon. And I asked the nice man who owns the store what BLMF stand for and it stands for books like a mother ever Uh, (laughs) so naturally I had to give him lots of my dollars and I found the whole uh, Sleeping Beauty trilogy there so I bought those I'm about halfway through the first one it is like I bought it because Tiffany Rice and several of the other contemporary erotica writers that I read have like said that reading this series was formative to them as young writers and I sort of wanted to see what that inspiration material was like it is not quite what I was expecting like the prince wakes Sleeping Beauty up by claiming her physically. Uh, so it's like a little rapey. More than it's actually, it is rapey. Um, and then takes her off to his kingdom where everyone has sex slaves. So I'm not quite sure like how much I like this or how well I'm going to hang with it, but I'm going to finish the first one. I want to know about the origins of contemporary erotica writing. And this is just a fascinating other side of Anne Rice to see. Uh, Not to mention that I feel like I'm getting away with something when I read a dirty book on an airplane, like in public, surrounded by other human beings who are presumably doing really normal things. Uh, So that is what I am reading this week. I was excited when I saw you were in Pike Place because it was cool. Macklemore mentions it in his new song, <laughs> and you know how obsessed I am with him now. We we're just gonna have to mention Macklemore on every episode for a while, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I know <laughs> well, that's it, our, it's a sickness. It's you just have to write it out. Yep. <laughs> well, that's our show this week. So thank you to our sponsors, Penguin Random House Audio, which I realized halfway through that spot that you were going to do that spot. That's okay. I was like, hey, if she wants to do it, I'll just sit here and keep <laughs> nodding my head. Uh, and to FabFitFun, go to FabFitFun.com and use the code All the Books to save $10 on your first registration. And of course, come hang out with us at Book Riot Live. That's BookRiotLive.com and use the code MoreCats, all one word, to save 20 bucks on your registration and hang out with us for a weekend in November. 
You can drop me and Liberty a line at all the books at bookriot.com. Talk to us on Twitter. I am Rebecca Shinsky, S C H I N S K Y. Liberty is at Miss Liberty. And if you feel like leaving us a rating or a review on iTunes, it lets us know how we're doing and it also helps other book lovers to find the show. And for that, we are very grateful. Be more the merrier at this book party. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today, we just don't have the time. But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our fabulous weekly new books newsletter. And that's it. That's it. Happy reading. Happy reading. <laughs>